0: We're going to turn from Philippians three then to Matthew twenty-three. You foolish and blind people, he calls them.
1: Mhm. Uh-huh. I was going to say something about that as far as calling others dogs, um, and then you referring to Jesus calling people foolish and blind. I think it's um, again what's in the heart of how that is said. And with what intention? Because I mean, we're not—it's just calling people names and being a bully is obviously not trying to woo people to God or to direct them to to what God's plan is. So um, I, there is a difference, and I would assume that Paul is doing it with the intention of getting people's attention about. Um what's important and and god focused just how like Jesus mm-hmm. was again trying to get their attention, you know he doesn't want to he's yeah. not like calling his names or something, you know he's actually really wanting to get to our hearts and like come on, people, this is what's important
0: here yeah and and i I also in John eight notice Jesus says. You are of your father, the devil. Right,
2: right. But the the only times that Jesus actually does that, I mean, the, when he uses that type of language, he's re, he's always re, directing it towards people who are convinced that, that they know everything about what the, the, uh, the uh, what God wants. That they are this the, the self righteous. Right. Um and ones who are then turning around and then trying to put the burden on everyone else to try and live up to their standard. Um and that God is uh in, in these instances is is wanting to kind of pop that bubble, I think, of saying, Look, no, you know, you don't have it all together. Um yeah. This and this it, being
0: right. So right yeah. that you can't be told you're wrong. Yeah. yeah this 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 complete Steadfast resistance to anybody else's opinion.
3: Dog is God spelled backwards.
2: Old
0: English.
3: <laughs> so it's anything that's opposed to God, the opposite to God.
0: Yeah. I don't that works in English. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's a case. If he wants to save these people at all he has to be strong about it and use strong language
1: and what's sad about that i think is that even when strong language is used if someone's eyes and ears and heart is not open it doesn't matter what language you use and and we can't like force someone else's eyes and heart to be opened mm-hmm. um right. and so it's very So at least he's trying to catch the attention or trying, like, it's almost like a last effort is to use strong language almost, I'm wondering.
0: I think so. I think he does it for the preservation of people who otherwise could be led astray. In other words, they're just about to get uh, taken in by this teaching, and the only way he thinks he can wake them up... To where they're going is to call these people dogs.
3: Yeah. Uh, he has a lot of personal anger over this issue. I mean, his whole Galatians letter is like this letter of outrage and anger. Like, it's, it's so angry in Galatians. And this is a, a sneak of uh, a portion of what he talked about yeah. in that letter. And he's still, like, seething about
2: it. And I think that for, for Paul, I mean, he, um, I mean, he lived that life. I mean, he, he's been there. He knows where that leads. I mean, it took it clear to the point where he was having people killed because of this. And mm-hmm. that I think that having that personal experience of, of knowing of what it's like and to, to be that sure that you're right, uh, and then all of a sudden to realize that he was so far off base, um that that's one reason why he's yeah. so anti uh, yeah. just fighting against this what you um, what
0: you come out of and gain victory over you tend to really be opposed to the rest of your life mm-hmm. yeah so he's he's actually in a sense doing like he did in in second Corinthians and boasting about how he was circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. With respect to observing the law, he's a Pharisee. And with respect to devotion to the faith, I harass the church. With respect to the right, righteousness under the law, I am blameless. Why do you think he's kind of boasting like this? I think
3: they they attacked his uh, whether he truly had been a Jew. Like his whole identity was wrapped up in this. And it came under attack because of the Galatians' letter. Hence, he ended up writing Romans. And, you know, he wanted to, he needed to take a couple of steps back and really explain things really well. And so, this whole response is tied up with his identity. Yes, he wasn't just a Jew, he was a Pharisee and he did everything perfectly.
0: Yeah.
3: So, he doesn't want his integrity to be attacked just all along. You know, these people are.
0: He's not antinomian. He's not um all the things that they might say he is. He is he's defending his himself and showing them he really knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's been in the inside of this. He knows okay. what it, it does to you. And and so he's he's doing that. Okay, uh David, would you read verses seven to 16.
2: But what things were gained to me, these that I have counted loss for Christ? Indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and that the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which for Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have a apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, To the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind.
1: I like that part where he says, um, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Mm -hmm. Like even though he's saying all these really strong things and trying to make people understand, he still says it's God's work and God's going to make it plain to you. He's not claiming that he's doing that.
2: Yeah. Um, there is a, a sermon, which I still think is quite possibly the best sermon I've ever heard given by a uh, Adventist pastor. Um, it was uh, a podcast that I heard. It was given like 10 years ago at the Kansas, Nebraska camp meeting by the, the president of that conference. I forget his name right off. Uh, any rate, um, but the, uh, the name of the sermon was One Mind, and it was, it was coming out of this. And the, kind of the, the, the point of the whole thing was that we need to recognize that ultimately only the Holy Spirit can convict a person of sin or of, of truth. Uh, and, that that's, and that being the case, it's not our job. Um, and that we need to trust that God is able to do that and that he is doing that. And that we don't need to get in there and meddle and help. And that, you know, God knows best what the next step is for that person. And if we hop in with what our hobby horse is, we're more likely to mess things up than actually to help. And that our job is simply to, to love each other and to do everything we can to try and keep the lines of communication open for that person between them and God. And to love them and to support them and to let God lead them into what they need to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we often get in the way of God, don't we?
2: Yeah.
0: One of the things that I've always loved reading this passage is Paul's absolute, wholehearted, single-mindedness about God. Everything is lost. He's he's lost a lot of things. Been shipwrecked three times, which he doesn't mention here. But, mm-hmm.
2: uh, not to mention all the times he was beaten and stoned, beaten
0: and stoned, and and all of those things, and
2: all these things.
0: Uh, he he used to have a comfortable life as a Pharisee. He no longer has that comfortable life. He has to go here, everywhere, and and he he really may not have a place to call home. He he. So there's several things I'd like to point out here. So he's willing to consider everything a loss for the sake of knowing. Christ and he throws it all away as far as his Pharisaic life, as far as his trying to keep the law uh, and have righteousness by the law. He's thrown it into the sewer. That's what my version has for this. Apparently, it's a very strong word. Uh, It's all
3: poo, he says.
0: Pardon? It's all poo. Well,
2: yeah, rubbish.
0: Rubbish. No, it's dung poo. Mm -hmm. Dung poo, yeah. So, sewer trash works for that. Anyway, he counts it all but that because all he wants is to focus on Christ and the knowledge of Him. And he sees God or Christ as grabbing him rather than he grabbing a hold of Christ. To him, it's always God initiating. So then his climax of this, of course, is, brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me Reach out to the things ahead of me. The goal line, purpose is the prize of God's upward call on Christ Jesus. If I can be crude, it seems what Paul is saying here is that righteousness by the law and being a Pharisee and all the things he was before his conversion. He just has to throw it in the toilet and flush it down. And not look at it again. Which is what we do when we go to the bathroom. We don't spend time thinking about what we flush down the toilet. We just flush it down and we leave and that's the end. And that's that's what he's basically telling us. Just flush it away and be done with it. Only they couldn't flush it away back then. But they yeah. turned away and they walked away from it. Although I would it.
2: say that the, the righteousness of the law really isn't righteousness. It's just it's uh, we we call it that, but that it it's self
0: righteousness,
2: right. which is it, no kind of righteousness at
3: exactly. all. Exactly.
0: It's not being covered with the grime. But he has he has to put it in those terms because his hearers right. believe in it. Believe it's righteousness. Right. Self
3: righteousness is a virus, <laughs> a deadly virus.
0: Okay, uh, let's finish up this chapter. And we will have succeeded in getting through chapter 3. Susan, would you read verses 17 to 21, please?
1: Sure. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control.
0: Any thoughts
1: on this? What is one say? I was just going to say I was just struck by the emotion that he expresses in mm-hmm. verse 18.
0: My version um, has deep sadness. Yeah, deep has I, tears
1: I say it again with tears in my eyes. And you know, just just the love that he feels for mm-hmm. others and really like wanting people to just get it. Mm-hmm. Come on, folks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and just to get the the simplicity and the depth of of what Christ has done for us instead of complicating it all.
0: He's still iterating the theme that he said above of keeping the eyes focused on Christ. Mm-hmm. That, to him, is the key to Christ being in us, to being able to transform us.
3: It's interesting that it it ends with here this idea of Christ is going to transform our lowly bodies. It's Mm -hmm. not us transforming them through circumcision, but it's Christ transforming them. Right. As I leave the things behind, I'm pressing toward the future. I'm looking to Christ in heaven. That's where my citizenship is. You know, it's not tied to this earth. It's it's Christ. Christ will be the transformer of our lowly bodies and not we ourselves. So he's working again with the contrast and he brings it to
1: you know, the consummation yeah. of Christ. It is kind of interesting, though, that he there's a little bit of a shift in that he's talking about weak, mortal bodies. Like he's talking about physical instead of spiritual unseen things that Mm -hmm. he's talking about, like heart issues.
2: I think ultimately there's a parallel there, though, uh, in that, you know, we're also told that when Jesus comes that our. You know, are actually the physical bodies will be transformed into the you know the perfect physical specimens that we sh- should have been but were not for sin, and that at the same time the, the the mental and emotional and all these other things that are imperfect will be transformed altogether. But you can see the the, the physical body, yeah, and you know the the problems that we have uh, with that. Right. Where the others are easier to hide sometimes.
1: Right. And we're both. We're both the unseen oh, yeah. and the scene. So I'm wondering if that's why he uses that, so that he, we can have something to kind of grab onto. Like, yeah, there is going to be this transformation of our bodies um, mm-hmm. to, to realize that there are both things going on, but he wants to transform us already in our souls and right. our hearts and our minds.
2: Mm hmm. And I think, in some ways, it might be easier to accept the fact that, you know, or just to, or, or harder to dismiss the fact that um, that there are things about our bodies that are falling apart uh, and that just aren't working like they used to, or did, you know, and that and it, it's harder to deny that there's an issue there. Um, right. And then once you've accepted that there's that, well, then maybe the other, yeah, is, well,
0: that's true. Well, this has been a, a both an easy chapter to see what's going on and and also a meaty one. Mhm. So we only have one more chapter in Philippians. It's a very hopeful chapter that we just. Yes, read. I I see Philippians as a very actually overall a very positive book. Right. Uh, very much the glass half full instead of the glass half empty. Some of Paul's books are a little bit stern and hard, in in terms of, a little bit down. There's there's like it's it's discouraging. The outlook is discouraging, but here he is in prison and he's writing more upbeat than he normally does.
3: Well, Great. his melancholy scribe got a bit of a break, so he had to use someone else. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> 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 mm. Well, let's close with prayer and then I guess we can go to church. (laughs) Dear Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to think about you and think about Paul in his ministry and, and his concern for the legalists in his church who are leading other people astray. We thank you that he was willing to be robust about this and, and strong uh, for their sake, and that yet he cared for them so much so that it led lead him to cry. And we ask that we might imitate him as he imitated you, and might be able to uh, put away the things of the flesh, the self-righteousness that we tend to imbibe in. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.